Welcome to AM Best Audio. In 2021, electric car sales reached a record high, despite supply chain bottlenecks and the ongoing pandemic, according to the International Energy Agency. This year, according to some estimates, 13% of new cars sold will be electric. I'm Lori Chortis for Invest Audio. Joining us now to talk about electric vehicles and what they could mean for auto insurers is Robert Passmore. He is the Department Vice President of Personal Lines at the American Property Casualty Insurance Association. Bob, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Good afternoon, Lori. Glad to be here. What trends are you seeing around electric vehicles today? Well, some of the ones that you just mentioned, um, you know, it's been a record year for sales of electric vehicles. They're still relatively a small part of the overall fleet, but there's certainly a lot of interest in them. And automakers certainly have uh, gone full steam ahead on their development of these kinds of uh, these kinds of vehicles. And we're seeing uh, once upon, you know, in recent memory, more of these vehicles were at the higher end, but more and more they're coming down into the, you know, throughout the fleet at, at all different ranges. Uh, from the entry level up to the, uh, the the luxury lines and things like that. So what risks, including those surrounding public charging stations, do electric vehicles pose? Well, for insurers, really, you know, if you think about the things that can, the bad things that can happen when you operate a vehicle, electric or internal combustion engine, they're really, many of them are the same. You know, going too fast and getting into an accident or inattention and all those kinds of things can, can still occur. So really, there's not that much difference. Where there is a difference, though, is, is like you said, there could be some risks around charging, if, particularly if people try to you know, charge the vehicles in, in something, in a setup that's not proper. You know, they don't have the right kind of equipment in their garage or the right kind of wiring in their garage or wherever they're trying to charge it. That can create some risks, actually more on the homeowner side because it could do some damage to somebody's garage or home or things like that. But otherwise, the the risk is is generally the same. Um, one of the things that you'll have to watch going forward is you know these vehicles tend to be very fast, uh, particularly off the off you know they accelerate very quickly and they're much heavier because of the battery. And sometimes heavier vehicles will have or create larger losses just because they're heavier. So that's something we'll have to look at going forward, we'll have to watch for going forward. So how can carriers insure these vehicles? What do policies typically cover? And how does insuring electric cars differ from insuring gas or diesel-powered equivalents? Well, like I said, the risks are, are you know, the, the risks are largely the same. The kind of you know, the kind of losses you, that you can incur are largely the same. I think on the, the physical damage side, we're still learning a lot about uh, about how much it costs to repair these vehicles. Um, these also tend to be vehicles that the automakers load up with all the uh, bells and whistles, the advanced driving assistance features. And we already know that, that that's driving a, a lot of increase in severity in, you know, uh, in, in repair costs because of you know, even if the if those components are damaged, they have to be recalibrated, and there's costs associated with that. You know, the the best example I usually use is used to be a windshield was really simple to replace. You take the glass out, you put the glass in. There's a gasket, there's some adhesive. They do it in your driveway. They do it in your in the parking lot of your work. You can't do that anymore. There's cameras and sensors that are all tied to the windshield, and all that has to be you know tested and recalibrated at you know before, during, and after the repairs in many cases. So that, that's a good example of how 
you know, these cars are, are, are more sophisticated in a number of ways, not just that they're powered by electricity. Um, and that will drive some repair costs. And therefore, the, the loss costs will probably be a little bit higher for these vehicles. What challenges do auto insurers face when underwriting electric vehicles? Well, like I said, the risks are, are, are very similar. So a, a, a lot of, you know, there's obviously insurers have a lot of uh, historical data on on drivers and things like that. But I guess the big challenge would be that, you, you know, you haven't had a critical mass of these vehicles. You still don't. And you'll have more and more experience data as you go forward and to see how that plays out. You know, the things that you have a pretty good idea about, you know, about the cost to repair and, uh, you know, the, the, the some of the rapid acceleration and things like that that could could get people into trouble. We'll have to see how that all plays out. So if anything, I think the challenge will be well, the challenge will be having enough data to to gauge the level of how the risk might change. And the other thing would be um, and something we have with internal combustion vehicles, too, is being able to identify vehicles that have this kind of technology, have the advanced technology on them. Um, you know, you'll, you'll be able to tell an electric vehicle from a non-electric vehicle, but it's really difficult to, for insurers to tell which vehicles have like automatic emergency braking on them and all those kinds of features because they're not, you know, once upon a time, you could learn pretty much everything you needed to know about a vehicle from the vehicle identification number, the VIN. And that's not the case that anymore. And some companies, uh, you know, different, different manufacturers call things by different names. Um, I, I think there's been some some uh, movement on that front, so there's going to be more consistency in what the companies call the features. But there's still not a way for if an insurer is presented with this vehicle to know it has automatic emergency braking, it has this feature or that feature, features that could factor in, um, you know, on the positive side for their you know their risk profile. And that's a challenge that we've been you know sort of sort of. Uh, uh, you know, trying to, to get attention for, but that's going to be a big challenge going forward is how do you identify what kind of technology is on this vehicle? You talked earlier about the differences in cost in terms of repairing and servicing electric vehicles. What could that mean for auto insurers? Well, you know, two things. Number one is that these vehicles are, are more complex and they're going to cost more to repair. The good news is that they, like I said before, they tend to be loaded up with all the latest advanced driver features, and that that could help keep them out of accidents. But when they are in accidents, they're going to be more costly to repair. Another challenge that it's going to be is is making sure that there's enough qualified repair facilities to to work on these vehicles. Um, and, and I think that's something the collision repair industry is already challenged with: is making sure that they have the right, they have access to the right equipment and training and repair information so they can properly repair the vehicles or even diagnose what's wrong with them. Um, uh, that, that's been a challenge in some cases too. Are electric vehicles vulnerable to cyber attacks and what impact could a mass hacking attack have on insurers? Well, I, I wouldn't just limit this to uh, uh, electric vehicles because increasingly all vehicles are more connected than they were before. I know I, I have you know, a, a, a you know, 2021 vehicle that has a lot of the bells and whistles and it has its own way of communicating things. You know, I can remote uh, remote start and remote unlock the car using my smartphone. That vehicle's connected. So that creates some possibility for hacking. Now, I, I, I know that 
Uh, manufacturers do their do a lot of work to try to make sure that those things are secure, but that risk is still there. So if there you know if there were some sort of mass hacking event, that would that would certainly present a challenge and would certainly change the risk profile for any any particular vehicle that was subject to that kind of an event. As for what they would be able to do, you know, what a hacker would be able to do, so far I don't think there's been much. There hasn't been a, I guess, a negative. Or the hacking that I've heard about is mostly, you know, white hat uh, hackers that have been trying to demonstrate the vulnerabilities and things like that. I haven't heard about any. I guess I I call them black hat incidents yet, but that that's certainly always a concern. There have been a number of reports that a, a number of Tesla's electric cars caught fire during Hurricane Ian in Florida in September. What implications and concerns does that create for personal lines insurers? Yeah, well, I, I think you know the, the electric batteries are are are, are, are I wouldn't say I, I won't say prone to that, but that has been an, an issue with some if they're damaged, like uh, from road debris things like that. There's been some examples of that. Any vehicle that's been in a flood, you know, it, it's and it, it, I know I've just talked to a few reporters about this after the the floods in Florida and in on the East Coast is that it's not a good idea to try to start any vehicle that's been submerged in water. Uh, lots of bad things can happen, electric vehicle or not, and I think that's the you know that's what we're finding in in, in Florida as people hope that their vehicle isn't going to be. Uh, damage or they're going to try to drive it someplace and that's usually where these kind of things occur so you have to have to use you have to use care when uh the vehicle's been you know been touched by been submerged i should say uh, in, in water um the same thing is true as when it's been an accident i know fire departments get instructions from manufacturers about the best way to disengage the battery to make sure it's safe uh to approach vehicles and things like that um, the availability of that kind of information is critical uh, for the safety of our first responders, as well as you know, towing company folks and people that are going to come in contact with that vehicle on, in, in those kinds of situations. States like California and New York plan to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. What could that mean for auto insurers in the future of electric vehicles? Well, those are two of the biggest auto markets as, as it is. So uh, right. I, I guess you know insurers will be paying special attention to how that plays out. And right now, electric vehicles make up a relatively small portion of the fleet. But you know, uh, like you said before, it, it, you know, sales of the high, are the highest they've ever been, and those kinds of actions by states are likely to accelerate that. Um, you know, that that that. Uh, you know, 2035 might seem like a long way off, but it comes faster than you think. Um, th on the other hand, the average vehicle on the road is more than 11 years old. Um, and the reason why it's more than 11 years old is because they last a long time. And folks might, um, you know, that might make folks less likely. They might hang onto their cars even longer. So you could, you could see things going a little bit both ways. Um, another thing that could, we could see is that you know, we've had a lot of supply chain issues and, and things like that. Um, if that starts to create some some supply issues in, like, let's say California, and New York, you might see increased demand for uh, used vehicles. Uh, you know, since you can't buy a new vehicle that's not an internal combustion vehicle in in, in those states after 2035. So, still a long way to go, but a lot of a, a lot of things to watch for. You're right.
What concerns or opportunities are you hearing from your members regarding electric vehicles? And how is APCIA working with its members to prepare for and address those concerns and opportunities? Well, some of the concerns I, I think I already shared about, you know, are there going to be enough shop, uh, enough qualified repair shops to re repair these vehicles? Also about are insurers going to have access to enough information to be able to identify the vehicles that have, you know, Probably determining if a vehicle is an electric vehicle or an internal combustion engine will be relatively straightforward. But beyond that, you're going to get all kinds of uh, advanced systems, driver assist features uh, that are going to be in vehicles that, that are very difficult to determine. You can't determine them from a VIN or things like that. Having a way to do that is going to be very important for insurers to be able to assess risk, particularly as the, you know, the underwriting the risk field becomes more about the vehicle itself rather than the driver as the, the vehicle systems take a bigger role. So that's been one of our main points in advocating uh, regarding the more sophisticated uh, technology and vehicles in general, which would include electric vehicles. Bob, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Robert Passmore, Department Vice President of Personal Lines at the American Property Casualty Insurance Association. For AMS Audio, I'm Lori Chortis. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908 439 2200 extension 5399 and have a great day.